Some of you have had the opportunity to sign your name on a mortgage. You had to sign 37 times, but you did sign that mortgage. And basically what you do when you sign a mortgage is you agree to pay off that loan interest in a timely manner. And they usually set the time, the amount of time that it takes, and you agree to that time and, and sign your life away for that period of time. And as some of you have done that, some of you have also lived there. Final check and you fulfilled the obligation that you agreed to. Now, when you sent that final check in, there's kind of a sense of accomplishment, isn't there? There's kind of a sense of relief. There's kind of a, ah, we did it. We didn't think so. 30 years, who would have guessed it? But here we are, and that, that fulfillment is something to enjoy. As we have been making our way this month, we've been looking at this series called The Wonder of It All. And as we've made our way through the month of December, looking at this thought of the wonder of it all, we looked first at the foretelling, and we saw in the Old Testament where God had had promised the birth of this child. And we saw that unfold. We saw the next, the following week after that, we saw the announcement where the angels came and they announced it to Mary. And then they waited a little bit and then they announced it to Joseph. And so both of them received the announcement. The last time we were together, we looked at the journey. We looked at how Mary and Joseph made the journey to Bethlehem. We looked at the three wise men, or the wise men bringing three gifts. We saw them make that journey to Bethlehem. And we also saw the, the journey that the Lord Jesus Christ took, coming down from heaven, taking on human flesh, and being born in a manger. We saw that all unfold. But this morning we want to look at the fulfillment. We want to see the fulfillment, the completed picture, the, the completion of all of those other things taking place. And so I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we want to begin in verse 6 this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. And as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, there are three headings that we're going to use to kind of hang our hats on as we think through this passage. The first thing we see is the arrival. The second thing we see is the appearance. And the third thing we see is the action. Before we dive into this passage, let's just pause for a moment and pray. Father, we're grateful for this morning. Grateful for the opportunity we have to gather here this morning and, and be able to look into your word. And I pray, Lord, as we look into your word, that your word would look into us. So just speak to our hearts, Lord. I know this is a passage that we've heard so many times. We've probably already read it multiple times, even just this month. But I pray, Lord, this morning that we would see something new and fresh, that our hearts and our spirits and our souls might just be reminded of, of the fulfillment that took place, Lord. Lord, we're grateful for your plan of salvation, grateful for how it all unfolded, and we're grateful for the fulfillment. Let us hear from you this morning. Take my mind and my heart and my tongue. Uh, Lord, let us hear from you this morning. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, the first thing we want to look at this morning 
is the arrival. The arrival is what we see here. Look at verse 6 with me. It says, and while they were there, while they were there. We know this is speaking of, of Joseph and of Mary. Uh, they are in Bethlehem. We left them last week. They just made the journey to Bethlehem. And, and that's where we see them here. And that's where they are. They've made that journey. They've arrived safely. And we saw last week and the week before that they had to travel to Bethlehem. That was the promise from Micah 5.2, that it had to be in Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me. One who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So Bethlehem is where it had to happen. And we saw Caesar Augustus make the decree this woman who is very pregnant to make the journey from northern Israel all the way down to Bethlehem. It was because of this census that took place. Uh, the census is in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. All of the inhabited earth would have been the known world. It would have been the Roman Empire. Everything that the Roman Empire was over, all of them had to gather for a census. And they would go to their hometowns. The Jews would go to their hometowns to be counted. And so Caesar Augustus had no idea about the prophecy that God had laid out. But God, unfolding his plan and his program as it was supposed to be unfolded, unfolded at just the perfect time. And Joseph and Mary made the journey, and they were there in Bethlehem. And it says this in verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Thinking about her making this trip, she was very pregnant. She was very pregnant. And when she arrived at that time, it was time for her to give birth. Once she had made that journey to Bethlehem, it was time. And this is the very moment that God promised it was going to happen. Every, and uh, in, in, even in this very moment, as this is unfolding, this is all taking place in accordance with God's predetermined plan. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. When the fullness of time had come, not a moment early, not a moment too late, but when the fullness of time came, at that perfect moment, Mary gave birth. It says in verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and she laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. Boy, if you worked for Hallmark, wouldn't you say this is a perfect Christmas card picture? I mean, it is, isn't it? As we think about this, uh, wrapping a baby in swaddling cloths, that would be nothing new. That would be something that would just happen as children were born. That's what would take place. Lots of children being born at home. Uh, not a big deal. That would be how it would happen. Hospitals weren't something that they traveled to to give birth. A lot of times they were just home births. 
So this birth wouldn't be anything way out of the ordinary. But this child is laid in a manger. And that manger is nothing more than a feed trough. And that would be abnormal. That would not be the normal. But this is where this newborn child is laid. And as we look at this, we see that they named him Jesus. Matthew 1, 25 says this. He knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We saw the angel visit Joseph and share with Joseph that he had to name the child Jesus. The angel told Joseph that was to be the child's name, and as Joseph was in his dream, he heard that and listened to the angel. And we read that that's exactly what he did. He went and named the child Jesus. Matthew one twenty one. The angel said, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So that's the arrival. The child arrives here in Bethlehem, and that's the fulfillment of what has taken place, of what is promised that would take place. It is fulfilled. But notice the appearance that takes place next. This is in verse 8. It says, in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds were at a low level in society. They were not seen as very important people. They were, they were seen as lower level people. But yet, as we, as we see them, we, we think about them. Uh, it's amazing that they would even be mentioned here at this time of arrival because they were just lowly shepherds. Shepherds were seen as unclean. Uh, shepherds weren't even allowed to testify in court. If there was a case that came up and a shepherd was your chief witness, they wouldn't be allowed to testify because they were too uneducated. But yet we see them mentioned here in the same time as this arrival that takes place. It says in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. They are outside of Bethlehem. These shepherds are watching their flocks and overseeing their flocks. And it's kind of an interesting thing as we think about this because it's possible that the flocks that they were watching would have been the very flocks that would have been used for the, sacrifi for the sacrifices in the temple. They are watching over the flocks. It says in verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. We saw Joseph and Mary, both of them had encounters with angels. And here, uh, these, these angels appear again, and this time they appear to the shepherds. Angels are messengers of God. They brought that message to Joseph and Mary. And now the angels reappear and show up again to share with the shepherds. And it says the glory of the Lord shone all around them. Now imagine being outside in the dark with a completely dark sky. And imagine this light, the glory of the Lord, shining around them. In the book of Acts, 
Paul speaks about when he came face to face with Jesus Christ. This is in Acts 22, verse 6. It says this, As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. At noon, when the sun is at the highest point, he sees a bright light. Well, maybe this was just something that Paul saw. Maybe no one else saw it. Acts 22, verse 9 says, Those who were with me saw the light. They did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. So the light was bright enough to be seen at noon. If God is able to do that at high noon where it's bright enough, imagine the glory of the Lord shining on a dark night out away from the strip where all the lights are. You know how Main Street is so well lit? They're away from Main Street. And the glory of the Lord shines all around. I love it at the end of verse 9 there. It says, they were filled with great fear. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I mean, imagine how that would be in that moment. Never seeing anything like that. And then all of a sudden, that appearing, that showing up. Now look at verse 10. It says, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not is what the angels often say when they make an appearance. And this phrase that's used here for fear not doesn't say, hey, in case you're going to be afraid, don't be. This is saying stop fearing. Because we read there, they were filled with great fear. Fear has already come. And then the angel says, fear not. Stop what you're doing. Stop fearing. And notice what it says. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, think about this statement for a second. Good news. Now, good news for me might not necessarily be good news for you, okay? There are a few things that I have interests in that you do not, okay, that are good news to me. There are some things that would be good news to me that might be disappointing news to you, okay? So let's, let's just say that we all agree that this is good news, okay? This is good news. Now, think about it being good news of great joy. Not, not a little bit of joy, but great joy. Okay, there's things that may excite all of us, okay? We're like, ooh, that's good news, okay? But there are going to be some of us that's like, that is good news. You know, we're going to be a little bit more excited about the good news, okay? So he's saying good news of great joy. So think about the improbability of having good news of great joy. And then notice it says, for all people. Do you guys know what all in the Greek means? All. All. Good news of great joy for 
all people. This, this seems like an impossible thing. This seems like an impossible thing. But it's good news for all people. Verse 11 tells us why. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In the city of David, this is where he had to be born, right? As a descendant of David. This is where he was to be from, was this city. A Savior is born. Not a soldier. Not a politician. Not an athlete. But a Savior. A Savior is born. A Savior is the reason that this is good news of great joy for all people. Because all people are in need of a Savior. Because all people have sinned. It doesn't matter what nationality we are. It doesn't matter for boy or girl. It doesn't matter for over six feet or under six feet. All have sinned. Romans 3, 9 through 12 says this. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not But we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. There were only two kinds of people in the world then, Jews and Greeks. And it says both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Romans 3.23 just clarifies it to make sure we understand the point. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Good news of great joy for all people. All have sinned. All have sinned. The thought here is the sin is this idea of perfection, this idea of, of falling short of the glory of God. God has this, has this perfection that he demands of us. It's a high water mark. And it says that all fall short of that. You know, we would read that and think, well, you know what? We're all in the same boat then, right? We're all fall short. It's okay because we're all in this together. But Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned, and what we deserve for our sin is death. That's not a very good boat to be in now, is it? All of us. But it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Good news, great joy for all people. What is that good news of great joy for all people? It is the fact that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Free gift is what we receive. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith, 
And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. This good news of great joy for all people shares with us that God has given us a gift. This gift is eternal life. This gift is in Jesus Christ. This gift is not a gift that we can purchase. It's not a gift we can work for. It's not a gift we can earn. It's a gift. And we receive that gift by faith. By faith. By believing. We can receive that free gift. And it's ours. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Boy, doesn't that sound too good to be true? I mean, when you're out Christmas shopping and you see buy one, get six free, that just seems like it's too good news to be true. That just, that just can't be. Nothing is free. How can this be? But this is a free gift of God that's given to us. This eternal life is in Christ Jesus. Nothing we can do to work for it. But if we confess him with our mouth and recognize Jesus as Lord and believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. Romans 10, 13 is for the doubter. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you know what everyone means in the Greek? Everyone. Everyone. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you know what? There's good news of great joy for all people. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what's exciting? Is I am part of that everyone. I am part of that everyone. Have you ever had that where you've been left out? You know, you're at the park and you're the last one to get picked. You know, everybody else got a cupcake and, oh, we're one cupcake short. Hey, you tall kid in the back, sorry. You don't get it. Have you ever been in that boat? We're born into this world on the outside. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We all need a Savior. And Jesus Christ came to save us. All of us. It doesn't matter how late we come to the game. It's available for all of us. But we've got to turn to Jesus Christ. Notice here, back in Luke 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Christ, this word that's used here, means the anointed one. This is the same word that's used in the Old Testament referring to the Messiah. The Christ, the Messiah, that's who this is, Christ the Lord. And Luke emphasizes here the deity of Jesus Christ. This is God in the flesh, John 1, 14, took on flesh and dwelt among us. That's what Jesus was. That's what Jesus is, is taking on human flesh and dwelling amongst us. And the gospel is shared here for the first time with a group of low-life shepherds, people who were left out of society, not religious leaders, not politicians, not even the Bethlehem elite. They are nothing but shepherds. But yet, this is the group that hears of this good news of great joy for all people. 
Jesus came to save the poor and the low. Jesus came to save the outcasts. This is 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Sometimes I think about how great it would be to go back and be in high school again. But the only way I would want to go back is if I was 6'4 and know what I know now. You see, I was a 5'4 freshman starting guard. 5'4 when I was a freshman. There's no way I'd go back and relive life as a guard. I wouldn't would do that. I wouldn't do that. Uh, having to ask people to help me out, reach the high stuff on the shelf, and I couldn't handle that life. Uh, the only way I would go back is if I could be that height again and be 6'4 as a freshman and still grow the same amount. That would be awesome. Jesus left everything behind in heaven to be born as a helpless baby, dependent on mom and dad, dependent on others. Jesus did that. He came for our sake. He left the riches of heaven behind to take on human flesh to dwell among us. That's what Jesus did for us so that we, everyone who called on him, could be saved. Back to the angels in verse 12. This will be a sign for you, shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. The shepherds don't ask for it, but they are given a sign. There would be many babies that would be wrapped in swaddling cloths, but there would not be many that would be found in a manger. This Christmas card picture of Jesus being in this nice little barn, ancient tradition shares that Jesus was born in a cave. There is one such cave that's in Bethlehem today where tourists gather and they recognize it as the birthplace of Jesus. The Church of the Nativity was built there, but it was born in a cave. Verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I would think that one angel and the glory of the Lord would have been enough, but all of a sudden a multitude appeared. And they all begin praising God, singing, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. If you have an NIV on your lap this morning, I like the way the NIV reads this. It says, Peace to men on whom his favor rests. And I think that's very fitting because God's peace is not given to those men who have goodwill. God's peace is given to the goodwill. Peace to men on whom God's favor rests. Now we think about the arrival, we think about the appearance, but I think it's important that we notice the action that takes place here. 
Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I can imagine as the angels departed, I can imagine there was just a moment there where they were just frozen in time. Probably seemed like an eternity. I hope there's video of it when we get to heaven. But notice that they were not told to go. They were just told what they would find there. And so we see them with this desire to go. They recognize the Lord has made this known to them. They realize and recognize that this is privileged information that they have been given because they're shepherds. And they're not just going to sit in the fields with this news. They have to go check and see for themselves and, and take all of this in. Notice verse 16. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, this word here doesn't mean meandering. They didn't meander there. They didn't take their time. With haste, they went. They left their flocks, and they, they made a beeline to Bethlehem. That's what they did. Uh, we can be tempted to be procrastinators. Ah, I'll do it tomorrow. Why do it today when you can do it tomorrow? That's how I do Christmas shopping. Why do it on the 23rd when Walmart's going to be open until 6 o'clock on the 23rd? And you know what's great about it? There's fewer things to choose from. <laughs> Makes my choices easy. They make haste. They go. And you know when they get there, they find it just as the angel said they would. Just as the angel said they would. Verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. I'm sure when they got there and they saw it all just as the angels had told them, I'm sure they were busting at the seams to share what, what they had been told. And they shared everything about this child being the Savior, about there being good news of great joy for all people because of this child. And they shared that with them. Now notice verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. You know what's an interesting thing to me? As you read about the birth of Jesus Christ, we just read about two visitors the shepherds, and the magi. We don't see any other visitors and what the shepherds told them, but we don't see them going. We don't read about them going. Remember when the magi came to Jerusalem and they asked about the king, and the religious leader said, oh yeah, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. But we don't read about them following the Magi to Bethlehem. They heard all the hubbub, but they didn't follow along. The people wondered about this child. And you know what? It's amazing that so many people are in the same boat today. So many people are in the same boat today. Uh, even though 
They hear all the news, even though they see everything taking place. They may wonder about Jesus, but they don't investigate. They don't look for themselves. They don't seek him out. Verse 19 says this, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You know, Mary couldn't fully comprehend. I can't imagine she could fully comprehend all that was taking place. But she took some time to reflect on this and to think on these things, to be mindful of this. She was the mother of the Messiah, chosen by God to bring the Messiah into this world. She pondered these things that were shared, thought on these things that were shared. But notice what we have in verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that their behavior is similar to the behavior of the angels. The angels come as messengers of God, telling the shepherds about the good news of Jesus Christ. And now, they take on that same role. They couldn't keep quiet. They come and they proclaim. And I can't imagine shepherds being really good at public relations. But yet they're proclaiming. They're telling anybody that would hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? It was good news of great joy for all people. The shepherds didn't say, hey, let's let's just keep this within the shepherd union. This will be a shepherd union thing. We'll have union meetings and we'll get together and tell each other how good of shepherds we are and then talk about the good news that's been given to us, the shepherds union. They recognized this was good news of great joy for all and they went and they proclaimed. So there you have it. The arrival, the appearance, and the action. So on this Christmas Eve, what do we take home from this passage? You know, I think the number one thing we must take home from this, this is good news of great joy for all people. Do you know some of those all people? Maybe you're here today and you're one of those people. All of us are included in the people. As we're here today, this, this good news of great joy has been shared. It's been shared with us because the shepherds didn't keep it quiet. Because the shepherds went and told others. And because Jesus Christ did not remain in that manger. But he grew up and he went to the cross. That is why it is good news. It's great joy for all people. Because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins and for my sins. By going to the cross. And that is good news. That is good news of great joy. That is good news of great joy for all people. And that means for us. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today is the day. Today is the day that you recognize this good news of great joy was for you. It was for you. 
this gift was given to you. Now it's up to you to take this gift and receive this gift as your own. And you can do that by believing that Jesus Christ came into this world, God taking on human flesh, giving his life on the cross for your sins and for mine. Believe that he paid the penalty for your sins and recognize him as your Savior. That is how we do it. That is what we do. That is why this is good news. And if you've received that good news, if that good news is yours and you've become a child of God, what actions are you taking? Are you telling other people about this good news of great joy? Well, I don't know. But it says it's for all people. It's for all people. It is news that needs to be shared. As we gather together with family this weekend and tomorrow, let's take time to rejoice with great joy and share the good news. Great God in heaven, we're thankful that you are God. Thankful for your son, Jesus. Thankful for all that we have because of your son. Lord, maybe there's one here today that's never trusted your son as Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, today might be the day that they might turn to your son, realizing the need they have to receive your son. So, Lord, minister to their hearts, minister to their minds, help them to see that. Lord, we are so thankful for who you are. We are so thankful for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. This week at 9 o'clock, we're going to buy new batteries <laughs> after the new year. Are we froze up, Nate? Yeah. Great. All right, there we go. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> so as we gather around this year, as we pause at 9 o'clock and as we pray for one another, let's, let's take that one minute uh, just to praise God for the wonder of it all. I don't know how your month has been, but, I, but my month has been full of praising God for the wonder of it all because of the gift of salvation that has been given to us. Uh, we're going to close with a song. And as we, as we listen to this song, I want to encourage you and I want to double-dog Daria uh, to listen to these words. <laughs>